0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Justin, aka Just Tries, and we're always talking vulnerability, learning, and growth mindset. No sponsors yet, so go to justkeeplearning.ca for content and more episodes geared toward helping you not just set goals, but achieve them too. We have a goal to help millions of people be lifelong learners and get their ambitions off the ground, so be sure to hit us up and let us know how we can help. Our guest today stresses that now, more than ever, it is time for you to stop hiding and unleash your badass self. She stresses that just keep learning attitude in her own life, and in this episode, we have some great conversations about priorities, authenticity, and what really matters. After 13 years building a career in education, she took a huge leap of faith to become her own boss. Inspired by the work of Jen Sincero, she has built a resume as a business consultant, brand strategist, and public speaker. She builds her own profitable businesses but has a passion for helping others too. She's an entrepreneur that wears her heart on her sleeve and her priority is always in lending a hand to those in need. She's an inspiring example of pursuing your full passions while making some great money in the process. We talked about the education system, pivoting careers, and how to start your own profitable business. Please welcome to episode 8 of the Learned Podcast, Stephanie Powell. So, if you were to uh, meet somebody for the first time, say at a bus stop, and they asked, you know, who you are and what you do, how would you kind of explain that to them?
1: Uh, I'm Stephanie Powell, and I am currently a brand strategist and creative designer. And so, really, what that means is that I am looking to help coaches and consultants and experts and speakers and those really um, heart-centered, purpose-driven, service-based entrepreneurs. And what I want to help them do is I want to help them identify what I kind of call their own unique badassery, right? Because we were all created so intentionally and we're all different. And I want to help them identify that so we can infuse that into what they do so that they get to stand out because there's so much noise, in the marketplace, right? Like there's always a million people that are potentially doing what you want to do, but no one can do what you do the way that you do it. So that means you have you this own particular segment of people that, that those are your people that you're meant to serve. And they're not going to benefit from anybody else the way that they would from you. But in order to do that, you have to put, be willing to be radically authentic and radically different and put that out there so that you attract those people that you were meant to serve.
0: I like that. So you're a big fan of putting the content and energy into the universe or social media platforms and then having those clients kind of come to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of funny that you say it the way you did because I am um I've talked about this quite a lot recently. Um You know, the whole idea of just being authentic and um, putting that out there is a very, something I'm extremely passionate about. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of the things we're passionate about is because they're things that we've experienced. And so there was a large portion of my life where, whether I was being told directly or indirectly that, you know, just kind of who I was or natural states of beings or thoughts or how I would talk or whatever that it was either too much or not enough. And when we get that message over, and not that men can experience it, but especially as females and as women, we get those messages over and over and over, and they become part of your inner monologue, and they become things that you accept. And so you start to twist and turn and contort yourself to fit into whatever box someone told you you have to fit in. I reached a point where, I mean, I didn't even recognize who I was anymore because I'd just been tempering down so much to make someone else feel comfortable. You know, I'd love to tell you that I just woke up one day and I was like, this is me, but that's just not how that worked. There were, there was a lot of um, a therapy <laughs> and definitely a lot of kind of shifting through some, some darkness to get through that. And thre- I bring all that up to say um, because I, I do, I do brand strategy and, and I do, um, it's not the same as marketing, marketing sales. And what I do are all very different buckets but they also overlap and work with each other. And so in the current marketplace, even with what I'm doing, you know, we hear a lot about what you quote, have to do marketing wise. Like if you want to make money and if you want to keep your pipeline full and keep customers coming to you, you need a sales funnel and you need to be doing, you need to be reaching out to potential clients and doing all this. And some of that stuff just feels so icky to me. Like I hate it. I hate sales funnels. I hate sliding into someone's DMs to start what is ultimately a bit of a fake organic conversation, right? Like if I send somebody a message because I love what they're posting, I just want to let it be that and be like, your content's amazing. I don't want it to be about me looking for something to compliment them on so I can start that conversation to ultimately circle back around to maybe I can help you and you should hire me. Like I freaking hate it. And so the, the way you said that saying, you know, putting it out there, yes, it's a 1000% what I'm about, I just want to show up every day, as real and as authentic as I can. And I want to always show up as the understanding that I'm a conduit, I don't have to have it all figured out, I just have to show up and be be willing to be the vessel for whatever that is in that day. And people to find that like to find me or to want to work with me, because of who I'm showing up as not because, you know, I tried to manifest a relationship or something that's not there.
0: I think there's strong camps of kind of both, right? The really strong. You need the sales funnel. This is the way to sort of optimize to be a millionaire, billionaire, et cetera. And then you see the really strong camp of be genuine, truthfully, give, give, give. And Hold your breath as long as possible, and all of your benefits are going to come from ways you can't even imagine. And then there are so many people, probably the majority, that are stuck in the middle. Um, I think even I fall into that camp because I used to think that the only way to serve authentically was to not monetize anything. Um, So, to the people who maybe uh, struggle with the idea of monetization or the psychology of money, what are some tips or advice that you would give those people?
1: Uh, I think one of the first things that I would tell them is to go pick up um, Jen Sincero's You're a Badass at Making Money book. Um, And the reason I say that is because really what that is for us, that's a pre-programmed mindset. I think that mindset work is just... Crazy crucial, especially if you're going to be an entrepreneur, because um, there's all kinds of stories that we've told ourselves and have been told by other people that we're not even necessarily aware of where they came from. We just know this is, we think this way. And so I think a lot of people share that concern of, okay, but if I really want to serve, then I should just be giving it away. And, you know, it, to anybody who's listening thinking that, I'm going to tell you right now boo, stop giving away your knowledge for free. Stop giving away your magic for free because that's not really serving anybody. So, um, on kind of the holistic side of it, I would say let's do some mindset work. And Jen Sincero's book is a great place to start and to start uncovering um, what the stories you're telling yourself about money are to have that healthy relationship. I would also tell them that you know, instead of thinking about it as a, as an amount, it's an exchange of value. I'm giving you something of value and you're giving me something of value. And that's what it's more about. And so, you know, I think that for everybody, if they really kind of just allow themselves to sit You know, there will be an amount that you want to charge that feels right for you. And you're like, this feels good to me. Nine times out of 10, customers or consumers or clients that are looking for free and are looking for deals and are looking for the cheaper version, that's not your ideal client. That's not who you want to work with. And those are not the people that are going to get the most out of what you have to offer because they don't have a vested interest. You know, let's say you get a gym membership and like the first 30 days are free. You don't go. But when they start taking money out of your bank account every month, how many different subscriptions or things do we pay for that we go, I paid for this, I'm going to use it. And that's the mindset you really want your clients and things to be in. You want them to be vested in this transformation and in this outcome.
0: As a prior personal trainer, I can relate to that exact notion. I used to have clients say, oh, um, well, let me work a couple of days for free and or can you write some programs for me and I'll do it myself and these kinds of things. And all of that, I would say I can create the content or the things for you to do, but you're not going to use them without the accountability piece for a large portion of people. And so the commitment to financially was definitely correlated with client success um, so I couldn't agree more. I think the interesting thing is though, in the thought leadership space, I'm yet to get to that point where I believe in the product service like I did with fitness. And I think for a lot of people, it's probably that mindset you speak to. And I've heard you use the word badass now twice, one because of Jen Sincero and one because of yourself. Um, so what does the term badass mean to you?
1: I think that is that just that beautiful moment where you are able to step into everything that you were created to be. That doesn't mean that you have to realize every piece of potential that you'll ever reach right now. But I think that it does mean that you really begin to not just see yourself how you were created, but embrace it and accept it and, and understand that the passions that are on your heart were put there intentionally and your thoughts and your emotions and how you look at life and how you approach you know scenarios and difficulties and whatever else like that's not by accident right like you were created on purpose with a purpose and it, that's i mean i think that's i don't ever i don't know that we ever get to the point where we always only believe that truth i think that there's always a little bit of a battle of Overcoming that whether it's on a daily basis or it creeps up every now and then but I think the very second that you make the choice this thing and there's always like at least one thing right there's one thing whether it's a passion you wanted to follow um, a thought that you have whatever it is there's this one thing that a majority of the kind of the logical people have said that's that's sweet and that's cute but no. And I think the very moment that, that we embrace that one piece and go, you know what, like, forgive me, but I'm going to flip you the bird, give you the middle finger and go, "Uh uh-uh, this is who I am. That is such a, that is such an empowering moment. And that's, I think that's when we open the floodgates to let that inner badass come out and be like, this is who I am. And just being able to believe your own inner monologue instead of, inner monologue that other people have instilled.
0: I know uh, one of my favorite quotes is from uh, Steve Harvey, and it says that your dreams are not just unrealistic um, things to push aside their previews of your coming attractions, if you'll let them be. I want to talk about the idea that you said one thing I don't think that we've necessarily discussed that you and I before, but I say that all the time. And that's probably my biggest strength is drilling down with people to find clarity of that one thing. What's interesting in the world of self-help, self-development, those kinds of things is that um, we talk so often about a niche or a target audience, right? My struggles is when everybody has one thing. But they often don't know what that one thing is until they explore it. It's hard to serve kind of like uh, people until you've worked with them to know what their one thing is. Um, So, in terms of marketing or um, brand strategy, when you think of things like a Tony Robbins or anyone lesser who wants to meet Tony Robbins, that kind of thing, what would you suggest as strategies?
1: this whole concept of niching down. um, I talk about that a lot. I, I live that a little bit. But so one of the things that I do with my clients is part of the brand strategy is we figure out who are you talking to? Like, who are you trying to serve? And one thing that I think people get just erroneously wrong is that we have to niche down a certain way. And what I mean by that is like, for me, my target has nothing to do with demographics. There is nothing there. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, how old you are, what your political views are, what your religion, none of that matters. For me, my particular niche, and this is where I I do sometimes when people say, oh, you don't have to niche down and I'll push back just a little bit. Because I think if we allow ourselves to, we're going to find a common thread. And and those people that we serve, we're gonna find the common thread. And if you look at your best clients, or if you look at the people who had the most success, right, you just have to start to know what that common thread is. And so for me, what I found out is, and, and this came to, through a variety of ways, right? And I finally had somebody ask the simplest question ever, which was, again, talk to me about your five best clients. So we had this kind of quick conversation about it. And what I found is that everyone that is one of my best clients truly is a consultant or a mentor in some capacity. So really, when you get down to that is it's about people who are on a mission to serve others and that their mission goes way beyond the scope of themselves. So when that comes to that niching down thing, I think it's really important that instead of forcing like an answer to a question, and this is what I tell my clients, if I ask you a question about demographics or psychographics, and you don't have an answer immediately, move on. And so it's interesting that you ask that question when we talk about that one thing, right? My clients, that's something that they partic- they struggle with as well in the sense of they're not really bringing their full range of, of abilities to the table and they're holding back because that's what we're told to do, right? And I think people are afraid. They're afraid to niche too far down because they're gonna miss all these other sales. But those people aren't your people. If you think about a bow and arrow and a target, right? You have to aim for the center of the target to even have a chance of hitting the outer rings, So it doesn't mean you won't help and serve other people. But if you're just aiming for whatever, you're going to hit nothing. And I also am a really big believer in if working with someone doesn't make you say, hell yes, then it is a hell no. And I also just want to throw into when you mentioned your quote and you mentioned the dreams that are their previews. There's a quote by Pablo Picasso, and I'm going to butcher it just a little bit. But essentially, the idea is if you're dreaming it, you can do it. Because if it wasn't possible, you wouldn't be able to dream it.
0: I'll jump off of that, too, and, and bring up one more. Because, again, I could go on forever with the quotes of people I look up to. But Will Smith talks about how he wishes that one word that didn't exist in the dictionary is realistic. And then he goes on to explain how realistic would have been used to apply to the question of looking a light switch and having the light turn bright. Or being able to wrap metal around humans and fly them across the ocean, you know, just a hundred years or so ago. And yet we're all here using lights and planes. Those kinds of quotes, I think, really speak to me. It um, is big evidence of who I love to work with. When you talk about who's that one person, I appreciate how you brought up the psychology and psychographics versus demographics. Is one thing that people constantly I get it multiple times a day is do you work with youth or do you work with males or do you work with females being able to hear somebody who's in that marketing branding space speak to the fact that a common thread can be beyond demographics is nice to hear.
1: Absolutely. And sometimes it does fall that like, most of my clients do happen to be female. That's just the way that it is. If you're not willing to put your whole authentic self out there, then you're not really ever going to be able to figure out who those people are, because energy attracts like energy. One of the things and this is something that I've clung to one of my best friends, this was years ago, I hated dating for a really long time. I mean, I don't know that anybody loves dating, to be honest, it kind of blows, but um, I was married previously, got divorced, um, which that was a lot of where my transformation and growth and all that kind of stuff took place. And after that, or before, like I reached the full, nope, this is me, like, take it or leave it. You know, I would try to date someone and my, the story that I always told myself was like, but they can't, like when they see who I am, they can't handle me. Like it's too much. And one of my best friends, we were on the phone. She was like, I love you. And she was like, but I'm going to stop you right there. And she said, because you temper yourself down for people. She was like, so how can you be surprised when they're surprised when all of a sudden you unleash the full version of you? And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, holy crap, dude, she's right. And that was one of the major empowering moments for me where I was like, I can't blame other people when I'm only giving them... 25% me. And then if they're like, whoa, and they take a step back when I release 100%, well, whose fault is it? That's mine. And the second I start releasing all of me, am I going to alienate some people? Probably, but you're not meant for everyone. And everyone isn't meant for you. And that's something else that we've got. We've got to eliminate that lie. And so if you're going to, you know, to figure out who you attract and to who you want to work with, well, you have to be willing to be you first. And accept, again, that you might get a couple of unfollows and you might get some people that go, oh, but that means you're doing it right. If everyone is saying yes to you, you're either not showing up authentically as yourself or you're not charging enough, which is a whole other conversation.
0: Right. Well, we could go there since you brought it up. In terms of charging, um, it's a very interesting thing because people who maybe haven't started online businesses at all before may not know at all, but there are always going to be levels, right? You see courses on Udemy for 99 cents. Well, sometimes free. And then you see high-end coaching programs for... um well, I, again, like, I mean, you can list a number almost as high as you can think of everywhere in between. Um, you have one-to-one coaching. I know when I was a personal trainer, it was always a hundred dollars an hour, but plenty charge way more than that. And then you have kind of membership portals and things that are similar to Netflix at $18 a month. So why don't you talk a little bit about price versus value and those kinds of things?
1: Whenever I talk about pricing, I do relegate my kind of, quote, expertise, that which it is, to service-based stuff. Because product-based is a completely different animal altogether, right? And you have to take into a lot of other factors like cost of materials and just all those things. So when it comes to service-based stuff, there's actually, I got a formula from one of my mentors. It's not a hard formula. Basically, the idea was, um, okay, like sitting down and writing every recurring expense you have. Whether it's rent, electricity, cell phone, internet, whatever it is, car payment, write down all those recurring expenses that you have every single month. Multiply it by twelve. That is your minimum yearly income. Like you have to have that to live. And then from there, you know you can look at that monthly cost and go, okay, well if I have to have this amount of much per month, you can then break that down and continue breaking down into an hourly cost, right? So, okay. If let's say just for easy math, it's $4,000. Well, that means I need a thousand dollars roughly a week. And then you say, okay, if you're going to work 40 hours, or if you can effectively bill 40 hours, what is that? What are you charging per hour? If you want to look at it on an hourly basis, whatever number you get to. So if I say I'm going to work 40 hours a week and, you know, I need a thousand dollars, a week, you know, whatever that math is. I don't do math. We're not friends. Um, you know, whatever, let's say you get $20 an hour, multiply that by three. That allows for incidentals and your profit. Because remember, whatever that base hourly charge is, that's just the, what it costs you to live. The key part that a lot of people miss, you then need to take that to the market. A lot of people like to compete on price, which I think is a horrible strategy you know, but you don't ever actually want to be the lowest charging because what that does ultimately is we associate higher price with higher quality, even though that's not really true. That's what we do. If we're looking at a service and we're like, well, this is five dollars, but this is five hundred. We assume that five hundred dollars gives me a lot more for my money. So yeah, I mean that's what I would that's what I would tell people to start is kind of getting that formula together to make sure that whatever it is you're wanting to do, can you charge enough that you don't go over your own capacity and that you can not only pay for your life, but you can bring in a profit.
0: Right. I think that's a good way of looking at it, crunching the numbers and seeing what you can kind of afford to do while still scaling.
1: And I think a lot of times we're pleasantly surprised when we go back to the market. Maybe we find that our number is $60 an hour or you know, whatever, and we go to the market and the lowest you find is 100.
0: What would you kind of say are the things that you provide someone in the service industry looking to access your support?
1: First and foremost is uh, my strategy, and I'm a brand strategist. And so really what that ultimately is, um, instead of just having a logo, kind of like if you were going to go play professional football, and you guys had no plans, right? You hadn't talked about it. We're just going to go out there and see what happens. Um, You're probably not going to win. But the strategy and the strategy that I do is um, completely customer and audience focused. So we are getting into those demographics and psychographics because the idea is that, and I say this so much, but your brand is not your logo, number one. And number two, your brand isn't about you and it's not what you say it is. Your brand it's what everyone else says it is. It's kind of like that. It's what everyone says about you when you leave the room. If we want you to get to the right people, then we have to say the right things in the right way that resonate with them. They have to become the hero of the story. They need to be the spotlight because we, we buy from people, not corporations And we buy from people that we know, like, and trust, and that have the same values, right? And I think we can all probably remember a time when we bought something because what we were hearing, we were like, you literally are speaking to me as a human being. And from there, really, for me, it's about answering five questions. It's who are you? What do you do? Um, Who do you serve? What problem do you solve? And how do you do it differently? And then the last question is, what should your customers or clients feel after they've purchased from you or worked with you? Every design decision is based off of that strategy. So then we move into the actual branding designs. And that is the creation of the logo, selection of the color palette and the fonts and the typography and all that brand identity. That's the, those are like the visual interactions and touch points. Um, that's also part of like the mission and brand words that you're going to use. Just all of that, that gives you a cohesive brand so that you can be consistent
0: Kind of like an all encompassing service that can help people clarify their message and ultimately lead to sales. So I'm sure you're helping a lot of people with that. I would just want to talk a little bit about kind of how you got to this point in the sense of school or education, those kinds of things.
1: It's crazy how things unfold when you look back. So um, growing up, I I always wanted to work with animals. That's what I wanted to do. You know, if you wanted to work with animals, you could be a vet or you could be a marine biologist. Those were basically the only career paths that were discussed. So I was like, well, you know what? I don't know what I want to do. I'm just going to get, if I can get into the business school, I went to Texas A&M University and their business school was one of the higher ranked ones and I got in. And so I got my BBA in marketing just got a job with a company that I'd been working for summers and breaks that had nothing to do with marketing. I was at a desk all day. I hated my life. And what happened is I realized that, uh, while I was in college, I also, um, I'm a dancer. I've danced professionally and semi-professionally and things like that. And, um, I was working at a studio when I was in, when I was in school and I really was missing my studio kids. And so this idea of, um, being like a dance team, like coach, drill team director, that kind of stuff started flooding in. And uh, that's huge in Texas. And so I just started looking and actually my high school, the job for the head dance and drill team director was open. Keep in mind, I have a BBA and no background in education, but I was like, why not? So I applied, went in for an interview um, and they called me that day and they said, if you can get into an alternative certification program, the job is yours. I did that for 13 years loved my kids. I always knew I wasn't a classroom teacher for forever, but I just thought I was going to go into administration. I got my master's and my principal certification in 2012. I'm about a third of a dissertation away from a doctorate in education, but I've been about a third of a dissertation away for a couple of years now. And then my final year of teaching, I had spent that year uh, as an administrative intern and had been an administrator for about 25 school days throughout the year. Uh, My kids knew that I was applying to be a principal or a vice principal and nothing was working. I'd go for an interview. It would go great, but I wouldn't get the job. And no one could tell me why. It was just that we went a different direction. I was standing in my hallway and my husband came up to me and he was like, I'm sorry, but every time you don't get a job or you don't get a call, I'm happy. And that kind of blew my mind. I was like, why would you say that? And he said, because you're miserable. That rocked my whole world. I had no idea that I was miserable. I didn't feel miserable because I loved my kids But I was miserable. Business kind of runs in my family a little bit, and I always have toyed with that. I like working for myself. I don't like working for other people. Yeah, took a huge leap of faith because I mean, I walked away from sixty five thousand dollars a year guaranteed, and you know, not great health insurance, but health insurance and a great retirement plan. To you know, the life of an entrepreneur is scary and risky and very uncertain, and so I just kept pushing and leaning more into that and. You know, learning more, and now I'm here.
0: It's fascinating to me for two reasons. One is that my background is the same. I worked my way up to administrator, principal every summer in our summer school program, and uh, throughout the year can fill in that kind of thing. And did one school year as a vice principal position, but went back to teaching because I love pursuing more of the things that make me come alive in terms of my own passions around learning, but helping people grab those dreams, which is the side hustle, right? The other thing that I find fascinating about it is that you brought up the idea of everyone having that one thing. I feel that everyone has one thing too. It can change, but going back a few years to when you first made that decision standing in the hallway with your husband and started heading down this route of maybe it's something else, not a principal position, whatever those psychographics are, those are the people that I love working with. And so it's neat that this kind of is coming full circle. What do you think were things that helped you make that decision to go that entrepreneur route though? Because a lot of people just go to the next interview.
1: If you're going to go the entrepreneurial route, you need support. And one of the scariest things in in entrepreneurship that I do talk about when I can is there's a very prevailing mindset that can be really toxic for an entrepreneur. And it's this idea of we hear about hustle and hustle. And you know while you're sleeping, I'm hustling. And while you're doing this, I'm doing this. And it creates this environment of if I want to be successful, I can't sleep. I can't rest. I got to work harder than you. And that's so toxic for so many reasons, right? Like I had to identify myself. There were days where my husband was like, you're done. I got to a point where I started and I do this now. I like, I make myself take a day off. And so, and that on top of that is this idea as an entrepreneur that you should be able to do it all by yourself. And if you need help, you are weak. And that is one of the biggest freaking lies that has ever been told. I would not be where I am at without my husband. And I am not a codependent person. If anything, I'm the opposite. I mean, I'm very independent. I used to have that mindset of, I don't need you. I can do this. I can do all the things, right? And I didn't realize it was a sense of pride with me that I didn't know was there. So I'm like, okay, I don't understand why you can't handle these two things when I've got 20 things and I'm balancing perfectly. And I stopped to remind myself of this. I really don't have to do all this by myself. I really, that's, a, that's an unfair expectation that I should be able to handle it. And I think if you're gonna be able to do entrepreneurship and really, when I say successfully, I don't mean in terms of money. I mean, in terms of like a well, like a balanced life where you're happy and you're healthy and you're doing something that you're thinking a crap load of money that you love to do and is fulfilling. I think going into that without having a support system, um, I just think you're setting yourself up not for failure, but just for it being a lot harder than it has to be.
0: That's a pretty special story to be able to tell. I think a lot of people have still figured it out, but they've had to find their support elsewhere because they have people in there immediate circles doing very much the opposite kind of doubting them to people who feel like they're dreaming too big because the people around them doubt them. What would you say to those people?
1: So I guess the first thing that I would say to them is, you know, that it's time to get really raw and honest with yourself because you need to figure out what's keeping you up at night. And if whatever this thing is that you want to do, If it's big enough that even when somebody says to you, that's unrealistic, that's stupid, that's dumb, if it still occupies the majority of your thoughts, you know, maybe those few times where you're able to engage in whatever that is, that's what just sets your heart on fire and lifts you up and brings you joy. Then in that moment, you have to make a really tough decision to put everybody else on mute. And I think the other side to that coin is that there is support available for you. Um, Even if it's just a Facebook group, that's sometimes all we need is just someone else to go, I've totally been there. And you're like, great, it's not just me. But you have to be intentional about going and finding it and then allowing yourself to engage and open up and whatever else. Um, But what I will say is that, you know, this is a little bit of my tough love in the sense that when I said, get real honest with yourself. Um. If somebody or multiple people saying to you that this isn't, this is not a good idea. This will never happen. You'll never be successful. It'll never work. If that is enough to shut you down entirely, then you don't want it bad enough. If you're wrestling with it, right? And it's just, it's killing you. That's a little bit different. But if you're like, you know what, you're right. And you're able to close the door on that and never think about it again, then that wasn't the right path for you anyway. Uh, Again, those desires and those passions um, they don't just happen to find their way into our heart. We're born with them. They're they're imprinted. They're they're embedded. They're not going anywhere. And for those things, they don't ever leave. It doesn't matter how many times someone dismisses you or speaks against it. It's still there. There's still that piece of you that goes, "Man, there's just something that tells me that I should do this, or I could do this, or people need this." You know. But then, like I said, you got to make the decision to put those people on mute. And sometimes there are really challenging decisions too of you have to know when to kind of cut somebody off. And it doesn't have to be a mean or hateful thing, but you have to take responsibility for the energy that you're allowing to affect you and who you're surrounding yourself with. And sometimes, you know, I'm straight up, anybody who's listening, being an entrepreneur is effing hard. Is it worth it? Hell yes. If someone really loves you and cares about you and wants you, to find success, they will find ways to support you, even if they don't understand your vision.
0: Such a perfect segue into my next scenario, more so than question. I like to give people real world scenarios, actual clients of mine that I have worked with in my day job teaching youth, more or less, for lack of a better term, how to follow their dreams. To me, it's nice when you can get one-on-one because you can figure out what's good for that one person. If you had the opportunity to come in and coach one of these youth for me for an afternoon, let's say, and it was a twenty-year-old uh, girl who had served a couple years for dealing drugs, who's now you know recovered from that, but has a young daughter at home, and she wants to um, start a business where she can go and be a guest speaker and be that sort of Jen Sincero type to help other people um, overcome. Their struggles in life. How would you tell her to start that business?
1: You know, it's so interesting that you asked that question because I I am, in some ways, experiencing that myself a little bit, right? Because not to make this all about me, but just to give you kind of a segue or background or context into where I'm going with this. I taught in public high school for 13 years, but I've been teaching for over 20. The truth of the matter is that that really is one of the biggest things in my life. I believe it's something that I was called to do. This, I don't mean this to be arrogant, but it's self-aware. I'm really good at it. And um, I have a way of being able, because of how I need to learn right? I can break things down. I can really, and, and I'm super straightforward and honest and whatever else, right? I find as many opportunities actually as I can to speak or to, because there's nothing for me that's more exhilarating than watching someone have that aha moment and go, oh, I, I get it. Like, it's just, that is just freaking everything. And if I could do that, and if my feelings paid my bills, I would never charge a penny, right? And the reason, again, that I bring all that up is because that was kind of the question that I had, right? Like, how do I, how do I transition into that? Because you can't just show up in the online world and say, I am a speaker, hire me. Like, it doesn't work like that. So what I would tell them is, first things first, right? Start telling your story to anyone that will listen. And what I mean by that is put, put that stuff out there on social media. Hey, this is, you know, this is what I, if you're feeling this, I want to tell you that I've been there and this is my story and I would love to connect with you. And if you need support, maybe you start a Facebook group. Uh, Maybe it's just about because a lot of times people really, they want to know that someone else gets it. Because if in this particular scenario, whoever this young woman is going to reach is not, those people are not going to be reached by me because I didn't live that. I can't speak to that experience because it wasn't mine. We have to be able to see ourselves in those successful roles, right? So somebody else needs to see that someone who literally lived what they lived, it is possible. That's really what we need as humans, right? To go, okay, well, now I see it. So I know it's possible. And I would say too, like one of the things that I've been doing, people that I know, I'm like, hey, if if you know of an opportunity for me to speak, maybe it's that I've, I reached out to local schools here that have programs like that are in graphic design. Um, And I think it's really just about being willing to put yourself out there wherever you can It's about telling your story and it's about trying to tell your story and get in front of the people who can get you in front of somebody else and can make those connections for you. You know, there are things like there's a website called spot a guest. So spot a guest, and that's where you can get on to pod, like look for people who need speakers on podcast because a, it will help you refine your story. And that's, you have to be able to tell it to a bunch of different times. Once you've been able to speak on a couple of different things, then you're able to say, Hey, you know, I've spoken at this, 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 and this. And I'm available to speak for your group or whatever. I really do think that the key part is getting super comfortable with your story first, right? And then also to aligning that to your why. Why do you want to speak? What's the whole point of that? Who do you want to reach? What are you hoping to achieve? What is the non-selfish why? And the more you speak, the more you'll be able to speak, And then you begin to mold that into, you know, you charge a small fee if you're small-ish. You know what I mean? And then you just continue to find those opportunities to get on those stages.
0: Yeah, I think that's all great advice. It would definitely help somebody get started. A lot of those things would help people uh, start a business in speaking. One thing that comes up a lot for me with youth when they're getting started is, you know, do I need a website? Do I just need an Instagram account? Should I be on LinkedIn? So I think um, the overarching topic becomes, should people focus on one space that they're trying to share their content and their knowledge on social media? Or are you more a fan of planting flags all over the place so that you're more likely to connect with people?
1: I'm kind of in a camp that falls in the middle of that. Um, I do believe you need a website. I believe everybody needs a website. Um, And the reason that I say that is because even if you don't ever sell anything on your website, or even if your website is simple and it has two or three pages or whatever, if you think about even how we operate, right? What's one of the first things we do if we want to think about doing business with someone? We Google them. And then we go to their website. There is no excuse for having a trash website. Squarespace is very affordable. And it's specifically built for people who are not web designers it's templates you have to try really hard to mess it up you know what i mean and so um that's that's why i'm so passionate about that like there's no excuse even if you just create basically like a landing page that says i have so much that's coming soon or like stay tuned i've got some epic stuff i'm preparing for you guys and it has like your name what you do and like contact information at least there's a presence there and people know that you're real Because there are just too many people who, if you don't have a website, they think you're not real. As far as social media goes, I am a huge believer in from what I've been coached on, but also what I've experienced. I kind of tried to do it all at first. And um, there's so many freaking platforms. It's out of control. And you, you can't do them all. You just can't. So what I would, my suggestion would be is A, once you figure it out or you feel like you have a decent idea of who that ideal audience is, go where they are. If you feel like you're going to need to speak to organizations or businesses, you need to start with LinkedIn and master one first. It doesn't mean that you can't go ahead and create all your handles and whatever else and occasionally post, but put all of your energy into mastering that very first social platform. And then once you're super comfortable with that, then go to the next one and then go to the next one. Um, but if you try to master them all, it, it does. It just gets way too overwhelming. And the other thing that I will say, and I believe this about anything you know, when you're sitting there trying to make a decision and you're worried about making the right one or the wrong one, let me go ahead and tell you there is no, the only wrong decision is doing nothing. If it's wrong, okay, then tweak it and move on. You're not going to self-destruct, but if you don't pull the freaking trigger, you won't go anywhere.
0: That's a fantastic example of keeping it simple yet making progress for people early on. Um, I like how you said the idea of, Learning or winning, kind of thing to use the quote, you know, the idea that we either figure it out or we don't, and we just move on and try the next thing. And that's why I use the handle I do in just tries as the sort of digital guy's artist name is because I just want it to ring that true for people that that's the only thing I am constantly doing is trying and then learning and sticking with what works and changing what doesn't. Well, before we wrap, I did just want to touch again on the idea of education. Um, Not so much specifically to you, but because obviously you went through school and you were a teacher and in administration and subsequently in entrepreneurship. The big reason behind this podcast is to bring educational, I like to call learning content to youth or anyone else who could learn free version of online learning. Where do you see education heading if we can do our best to keep up with the times right now?
1: First and foremost, I think I truly do think that it's amazing that we do have access to the the amount of content that we do and the ability to learn. I mean, there's almost anything I can't, I'm sure there's, you can learn everything if you just search for it, right? There's kind of three camps. Like there's the camp that everyone needs to go to college, period, the end. There's the camp that not everyone needs to go to college. A majority of people don't need to go to college and they don't need it. And then there's in the middle. And I think for me, where I'm at is I'm in that middle in the sense that when it's obviously done right, you know, the idea of going to school and going through school and whether it's college or whatever, it's not just about the content that you're learning. I feel like it's the job of those educators. Believe it or not, we're not just teaching you content. We're actually we're teaching you life through the content. And so you're learning a lot of those lessons, even if you don't know that you are. And so with that being said, you know, I absolutely think at least just in some capacity, finishing high school or whatever, I do think that's very valuable. Then when it comes to post high school education or secondary, I think if you're really super clear on what you want to do or what you don't want to do, then I think whichever choice, whatever you choose is great. With this camp that comes out and it's like, see, you don't have to go to college. What scares me a little bit with that is I don't ever want someone to use that as an excuse not to go. I'm in the camp of, you know, try to at least. And if if you have no idea what you want to do, then yeah, I think if you can go to college and or even just community college and start taking some stuff or whatever, then go that route. If you have a very clear plan and path, if you want to, if your passion is you want to work with air conditioners and HVAC systems for the rest of your life, you don't need a four-year bachelor's degree for that. You need certifications. So it's about having an idea of what you think you want to do. What are the requirements for that job?
0: Great point. And I think it's come up on the majority of conversations I've had with people recently in the online business space is this idea of mapping towards our ambitions.
1: I love that phrase.
0: Yeah. And I've heard it from a lot of people. It probably stems from someone like John Dewey or something, you know, a hundred plus years ago, who knows really.
1: Right. Right.
0: I love it too. I think it's important that we all do that. When people don't know what they are, or let's just say they genuinely answer and think they don't know what they are. How would you help someone like a family member, or if you had a cousin who said, I just don't know what the hell I want to do. How would you start helping them find what that passion is?
1: I think I would start by giving them kind of two assignments, actually. And the first assignment that I would give them is as silly or as simple as the sounds is to find a quiet place that, that they will not be disturbed and they can focus for at least 15 minutes, Grab a good old fashioned pen or pencil and a piece of paper or a journal and start like literally brain dumping. So you can't quantify any of your thoughts. You just got to write them all down. Anything that makes you happy or brings you joy, write it down. I don't care if it's stupid, that's not allowed, right? The only goal is to get within your brain on paper. And then what I would say to that is, you know, like maybe set it down and walk away from it and either an hour later or the next day or whatever else, come back to that list when you're, that's not where your brain is. Go through it and see if you find any themes, right? See if you find something that pops up in multiple areas or in multiple ways, but just have that list. You don't have to have all the answers, just start to go over it. It might take you a few days to get to that, but just kind of have it there where you can go over it and you can go, yeah, no, I really do enjoy that. Then the second assignment that I would give, it's this idea of finding your superpower. And I actually did this exercise myself about two or three months ago. I sent a request out to like 25 people, people that I feel know me. And that I knew would be honest. And I was like, what do you think my superpower is? And what I explained that as, what do you see are my strengths or, if you if you were going to come to me to help you with a problem, what would you be coming to me for? I recorded every response that I got. There will always be at least two, more than likely three or four, that you hear over and over and over. So then you take that list, go back to that list that you made, because that's the sweet spot right there. What is it that everyone tells you you're phenomenal at? And it's a, it's also just a really empowering exercise because it's not that you're fishing for compliments, but... It's really nice to hear from other people when you're soliciting their honest advice. And you're like, wow, I didn't know you thought that of me. But like I said, that sweet spot of finding what your superpowers are. And I love to do this. And when you find where those overlap, then that's where you can start really exploring how can I utilize this to to make myself money and to do good in the
0: world. That's an amazing thing to me because my first three steps in supporting someone The fourth is picking your one thing. Number one is dreaming big. And I start with that mind mapping exercise. Two is uh, interests first. And then three is strengths. And then we work back to see how those three align. So that's just fascinating to me. Um, It's neat. It works uh, for people in each of their journeys with 100% certainty. It just depends sometimes on how long it can take. Absolutely. So I ask the same few questions in wrapping with guests. They're meant to be fairly quick kind of off the cuff answers, um, just whatever comes to mind. And the first one is if you were leaving one piece of general advice for the next generation, what would it be?
1: My advice would be that you are magical as the F word and, um, don't let anybody tell you otherwise and crush those, crush those mold, break those boxes. Um, and don't let anybody, don't let anybody dim the magic because the world needs, what only you can give. And if you don't give what you can give, we lose it forever. No one else can do what you can do the way you do it.
0: Poetic. Something that you yourself are learning right now.
1: I am learning um, just how crucial and critical. We hear so much about mindset work and about the energy and things like that. And I, I, you know, I, I am a religious person, but I So there's that piece of it, but just how crucial and how accurate it really is to do the inner work. Once I really started to truly become aware of my mindset, and I will give you a perfect, very specific example. I know these are rapid fire, but um, I realized that um, we talk about like abundance mindset and scarcity mindset and all those kinds of things. And I'm really trying to focus on the abundance piece. And I realized that while I've been doing all of this work to increase my energy and be aware of my mindset and cross out any limiting beliefs. When I'm writing my post and my content, there's this little thought in the back of my head that's like, if you don't get this right, the right people aren't going to see it and you aren't going to get any more clients. And the second I realized that and I changed it, I had six people contact me in a span of two days. You know what I mean? And so I'm learning how crucial that really is, that the energy that you're putting out into the universe is exactly what you're gonna receive back. And so if you're not if you're not getting where you want to go, start to peel back the layers and figure out what am I telling myself and where's my energy.
0: If you were to give me a question that you thought would clarify things for my audience, what would be a question or a prompt that you would give me?
1: I think I would just love to hear in your own words you know, kind of a two-part question, right? Like the first part of that being a very typical branding question being, you know, who do you serve and why? And then the second part of that, okay, if this is who you serve and why, what is your overall vision for your work?
0: Well, my why, first of all, to start with that, is always to support youth mental health primarily, but again, outside of that bullseye, people's mental health, and I like to say vitality because sadness and happiness, they're all important, Um, but hoping that it's um, through the lens that they're feeling good about their emotions. And I truly feel that that happens by unlocking that main passion project, pursuit, job, career, (laughs) vocation, whatever it ends up being, but the one thing, right? So if it's becoming a rap artist or it's painting or programming a website, finding that one thing that really brings them alive is what I love to do. Who they are, I think are the people who have been doubted, are doubting themselves, can't sleep because they feel like they're wasting their life. They're worried about regretting what they're doing. Mm -hmm. How I see it going in an ideal world is having a free YouTube channel and podcast monetized on the back end because that's how it then nobody needs to be charged. But on route, I'm learning that I feel whether it's courses or membership, they're can be something that can help along the way to further scale the business side of things to be able to help more people.
1: Yeah. I think not that you asked, and this is unsolicited, but I can definitely see, I, I, I can see how like a course or some kind of membership could be really beneficial to your audience. Because I also think one of the key factors in some of those like courses or memberships, if they're set up this way, there's so much power in knowing that someone else is experiencing exactly what you're experiencing. And it's great to work with the coach or the mentor, but to be whether it's with four other people or 10 other people and when you hear them talk and you're like it's literally what I'm feeling. There's just so much power in that and and in knowing that it's not just you and you're not crazy and you're not weird and you know, you're
0: normal. Right. And it's interesting you say that because for me, I think it's just determining what um a sort of avatar or target audience can see in themselves in terms of the language because to this point it's been years of just free content connecting with people doing tons of one to one coaching for free and i i love it and you see results but i like what you said about um membership because if it weren't for covid for me personally i wouldn't have had this thought of maybe i shouldn't do one to one that the reason originally was maybe a lesser price would help with coronavirus but what ended up happening more was i started thinking that we learn best in communities beyond one back and forth relationship you get that exponential support system i just want to ask i guess where for sure but why some people if they need to find you online where and why they could do that
1: everything pretty much for me is sort of my handle, which is more Powell to you. So it's more kind of like the more power to you, but it's my last name instead. So it's M-O-R-E-P-O-W-E-L-L and then the word T-O-Y-A. And so that's actually my web address is com. That's um, yeah, my LinkedIn web address. That's my Facebook web address. And then, um, on Instagram, it's the same thing. It's just an underscore creative. And so um, that's really, those. that's where I am. If you want the fuller version or the more, the less condensed version of why I do what I do and what I do, definitely head to my website. And then if you just kind of want to catch a vibe or a feel, then you know head to one of my social medias.
0: Well, Stephanie, thank you for doing this in such a short time. I think you've provided the listeners with a lot of opportunity to learn about branding, marketing, strategy, and just life in general. And podcasts are tough because, you know, we have to wrap and um, I love being able to give people the opportunity to go find you elsewhere because I'm sure you're helping a lot of people and will continue to help even more and more. So thank you for doing this.
1: Yeah, thank you. It was really, really great. And if anybody does want to, don't ever hesitate to reach out, even if you just want to ask a question or run something by, I like to serve as much as I possibly can. Thank you. All right. This is awesome.
0: That was a fun episode. Every episode seems to bring some awesome surprises. I hope these really help you or someone you know. It's hard to get all these incredible stories out to the world, so please do pass it along. Thank you to our guest, Stephanie. She's a great leader and mentor for anyone thinking of starting a business or taking any leap of faith in life. It's our goal to have this in every school in the world, so please do subscribe, leave reviews, but most importantly, pass it on to someone who could benefit from the show. Until the next episode of The Learned Podcast, all the best, and remember, just keep learning.